Hey, everybody. I'm Gabriel Miguel. I am honored and overjoyed to be here today with my dear friend, uh, Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan. Um, Edith is, well, a dear friend, uh, an incredibly accomplished healer, author, New Earth visionary, mother, um, deeply insightful, intuitive soul, um, world-class mind on education, raising children, um, everything about just raising this new generation of children to achieve their maximum potential, raising ourselves to achieve our maximum potential and our highest inner peace and joy. And she's also a Ringing Cedars reader, which is a double treat to have her here. Um, she is wearing a Siberian cedar pendant that I got her, which I'm very honored that she's wearing. It's amazing. And yeah, I'm just super happy to be here with Dr. Edith. We're in for an incredible conversation. You guys are going to love this. Um, I actually, Edith, I actually brought a couple questions from one of my team members. He asked some really good questions. So I'll make sure to get to those because um, this is some stuff that I think is going to be useful for everyone. But yeah, Edith, glad to have you. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. You're one of my favorite people on the planet, and I just feel so blessed that we connected and we get to collaborate for Amen. all the years to come. And um, to all the Ringing Cedars readers, I'm so honored to be in your home or in your car or in your kitchen with you to share this beautiful energy. I just want to tell you how much I love and appreciate all of you for choosing to be on the planet right now to help give birth to this really beautiful new earth that we're all co-creating together. Mm, wow, I couldn't have said it better. I could not have said it better. So Edith, um, God, so much we can get into, but I really would want people to, to know a bit. Oh, by the way, before I get into it, for anyone who's listening and they and they don't know, um, Dr. Edith created the Luminous Education Revolution platform event, um, incredible training. She brought together 15, 16, 17 speakers, something like that. And yeah, people speaking on. No, no, go ahead. I think we had something. 14 speakers, but there are 18 sessions. 14. Yeah. Got it. 14 speakers, 18 sessions, all about. Um, holistic education, homeschooling, unschooling, self-directed learning, like parenthood, and just bringing our wisdom from the past and looking at the future. So I was a speaker at that event and people, the session was really uh, well-received, I've been told. And there was just a lot of incredible speakers and information shared. And so we'll be talking about um, Edith's perspective on, on luminous education, what that is, um, sharing some insights for you about all that because she's got so much to share. So I just wanted people to to be aware of that as well before we got into it. So Edith, I would love for you to share a little bit about your story, how you came to this point, really like what led you in to, to doing this work and creating like the Luminous Education Revolution and everything you've done in, in that space. Can you share a little bit about it? Yeah, I'd love to, you know, so like many of your readers, I've um, incarnated on this planet and always felt kind of out of sorts, like the, like this, this deep wrongness with how our systems of this planet operate, right? Like, you, you, you know, in your soul, something feels like, hmm, I don't, 
am I an alien? I don't, I don't, <laughs> am I the only one that sees how absurd all these things are, you know? So um, in 2001, I transitioned my career from um, very conventional corporate software technology life into being a holistic healer. I started studying Chinese medicine. I became a holistic Chinese medicine doctor. And uh, through Chinese medicine, I got deeply involved in Qigong practice and had one spiritual awakening after another after another. And so in 2013, I had stabilized myself as a holistic Chinese medicine doctor. I had developed a deep passion for studying human potential and human possibilities because on my journey, I had seen too many things that just broke the matrix, basically. I'd seen spontaneous mm -hmm. healings. I'd seen all kinds of like telepathy and all kinds of interesting human possibility things that just made me devote my life to seeking truth and, and breaking free from all these crazy, uh, absurd systems that limit our the blossoming of our human possibilities. And so in 2013, on my journey as a seeker of truth and on my journey as someone that just wanted to deepen into their inner um, practices, I went to Thailand to do a darkness meditation retreat with this beautiful teacher named Jasmine Heen. And so this is a special building that's set up so that it supports you in doing prolonged meditation and complete darkness. So darkness meditation is a practice that's in like ancient yogic practices and Qigong practitioners and um, the Egyptian alchemists. And there's a group of indigenous people in Colombia called the Kogi Mamas that um, their teachers and seers and and wisdom keepers are raised in complete darkness in a meditative state and they're nurtured by the elders of the community to cultivate this ability to tap into the non-physical reality. When you meditate in complete darkness, a lot of interesting things happen. I don't claim to know what happens if you're raised in complete darkness for nine years straight. But I went into yeah. this retreat. It was an 11-day retreat, nine days and nine nights in complete darkness. And it awakened so many things. You have this prolonged visionary state and it awakened memories of past lives, memories of all these things about what is my dharma, my purpose in this lifetime, mm. um, communications with energetic realms, with guides and the support systems that we always have, but maybe just with how noisy our modern lives are, we're not aware of the beautiful interconnectedness of all of life and how much abundance and support is always flowing through us, you know, and all the mm. guides and um, energetic beings who are here blessing us with their support system all the time. So I got tapped into all of that and a lot of deep healing, a lot of insights. When I came back from that retreat, I came back to San Francisco where I had a Chinese medicine practice and I lived in an apartment in the middle of the city. And I noticed that my intuition had skyrocketed. So in working with healing sessions with clients, I could perceive very clearly their, what's really going on on the deeper levels. What is the therapies that is most appropriate and most efficacious for them? So it helped my clinical results. But at night, my energies had become so hypersensitive that I was basically able to tune into the thoughts of all my neighbors and all the energetic yeah. noise of the city. 
it was intolerable. So I told my yeah. husband, Dave, I was like, I, we have to move to the countryside. I can't, it's so loud. The energy is too loud for me. I can't sleep at night. So we moved to yeah. a little plot of land, about an acre with fruit trees and chicken coop and, um, you know, just like very peaceful, quiet, a tiny little um, cottage on an acre of land. And this is in Sebastopol, California. And it's got beautiful mm -hmm. energies and there's no 5G and Wi-Fi and all these energetic noise. And so in this nature-filled environment for the first time in my life, I'd always lived in cities all my life, I discovered who I really am if I just get beautiful sunrise during the day, sleep in complete darkness mm -hmm. at night because I don't have all this light pollution. When I'm not using the Wi-Fi hub, I would just turn it off and there was no Wi-Fi signal from any neighbors. And mm -hmm. um, barefoot on bare earth, naturally, like before in the city, because I studied the benefits of grounding, I'd have to literally go through the concrete jungle to find a park and take off my shoes to ground myself for 20 minutes or 40 minutes just as like therapy and right. medicine for myself. Now, if you live in nature, it's just part of life all the time. The natural sunrise, mm. sunset, and I just experience for the first time what it's like to naturally be synchronized with nature's energies and rhythms. And I realized what a different human being I became. And just, I hope it's not TMI, my menstrual cycles became perfectly synchronized yeah. and I, my body awareness was so easy yeah. to listen to my body, to know what lifestyle practices, what to eat, what not to eat, when to exercise. There was no rigidity. There was no dogma because I'm in tune with the mm. signals and the flow of life again. And in this mm. state, my dream life, my meditation life all got amplified. And this little baby started visiting. And this baby would visit me night after night, week after week, you know, month after month, and just say, you know, I've been um, watching you guys for a long time. It's time for me to incarnate into your family. I've chosen you as my parents. And at that time, Dave and I were, you know, happy, freedom-loving hippies, and we weren't sure if we're ready for children because it's a lot of work, it's expensive, we live mm -hmm. in Northern California, San Francisco Bay Area, can we even afford to have children, all this, these questions, and mostly it was because the paradigm of parenting, family life, and education that we had seen, we just didn't resonate with it. So much of parenting in the old paradigm is kind of like dog training. It's just like sit down, shut up, go wow. to your room, you know. Um, is the internet connection working? I, I hope I'm not glitching. No, out. you're perfect. Yeah, okay. I, I see you perfectly. Great. How about me? Yeah, I'm I'm seeing like little occasional glitches. I just want to make sure. Um you're good. Yeah. So, you know, as as uh, respectful, honoring, loving human beings, if we go out with our friends and a family, there's always like, uh, hey, which restaurant would you like to go to? Let's find a restaurant that works for everybody or, you know, uh, plan a vacation. What would you like to do for, on this vacation? Let's plan an agenda for the vacation that is awesome for everybody. But for some reason, mm -hmm. when it comes to parenthood, we just saw a lot of examples of like, you're grounded. Sit 
sit down, shut up, go to your room, yeah. do your homework, whether you like it or not, you know, like sit in these little desks and be obedient little like regurgitators of information and then get good grades. Mm -hmm. You'll get a good job. There was like a whole thing there that we just were like, well, maybe we're not meant to be parents because that whole energy did not resonate. We hadn't seen many examples of an alternative way that we would resonate with. So we had just mm -hmm. convinced ourselves that we weren't meant to be parents. Here comes mm -hmm. this little spirit baby visiting me night after night, repeatedly for many months, training me wow. to understand what is this new paradigm of parenthood going to look like. And he says, look, everything that you object to about parenthood is true in fact that's why i want to pick you guys as parents because right now this is in 2013 there is a whole generation of babies coming to the planet to blanket the earth with a fresh new consciousness a new way of being human that that we haven't seen mm. before but we can't philosophize mm. about it we need to incarnate into families and communities to co-create the, these new possibilities together we have to show it to you everything that you didn't like about the old, old paradigm of parenting and education is true and it has nothing to do with us we're bringing such a different energy mm. that that whole old system is completely obsolete and has nothing to do with us we are here to mm -hmm. bring a completely fresh new way so you kind of have to take my word for it. I have to show it to you. I can't just talk to you about it in dreams and meditations. So he shows me this beautiful web work of all mm. these orbs. They're like uh, these, these, these spirit babies. And they're all connected with strings and strands of light. And he says, look at each of these babies. We've each scoured the cosmos and decided to come to the planet during this upcoming exciting time of transition. And we've each scoured the planet to pick our absolute most ideal parents and families. And there's an intricate relationship between all of us because we all chose to incarnate into families and communities where these families will know each other and support each other either locally mm. or across the planet through different ways of being connected. This the mm. intricacies of how we're all interconnected and how we plan the timing and arrivals of each of our souls onto the planet is so elegant. And there's so many interdependencies and complexities involved. I can't actually explain it to you, but you can see from this web work that what you're choosing, if you choose to, you have free will to choose, but what you're choosing, if you choose to conceive me, is not our little nuclear family unit. You're choosing mm. to be part of all of this. If you choose not to conceive uh. me, no pressure or anything, but if you choose not to conceive me, he went poof, and he disappeared the entire scene said we'll have to go back to the drawing board because all the permutations have to be reassessed and recalculated and and redesigned because there's wow. such intricate interdependence between all of our families and communities all coming to the planet doing this beautiful work of birthing new ways of not just parenthood and family and education but a new way of being human
Mm. So that's what you're actually choosing. And so after that, my husband started being like, wow, wow. Um, and he went to yoga. So you're class. telling him all these experiences as they're happening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, really, I was like, I was like, the baby's here because I'm in this half wake, half dream state and baby would this and it'd be like, the baby is here. But the, the, the baby wow. energy was so present in our little cottage in Sebastopol that people, friends would come to visit and they'd be like, where's, is there a baby here? I can like feel the presence of a baby. And they're like, no, no, we're like, there's no baby. But I would tell people that this being would come to visit and they're like, wow, I can feel it like in the house. And so wow. Dave went to a yoga class, did Shavasana, you know, he's an athlete, he likes to stretch and go to yoga. And um, at the end of yoga class, he did Shavasana and our boy visited him in a dream. And wow. that's when Dave said, hmm, this boy's pretty cute. I'll consider it. And long story short, a couple of months later, there was a moment in which we felt the presence and the timing. And there was just a very clear energy that we could all three of us could feel was this is the conception time and as soon as that happened mm. i had this experience in my womb space being like like a life and a breath that i could feel wow. I, you know you don't need to take a pregnancy test you know what, right. what just participated in this experience and um and the whole time with pregnancy, this being who had become my buddy over many months before conception, of course, I wouldn't just like make medical decisions without him. Every decision, baby, what do you want to eat? Baby, let's visit some mm. home birth midwives and see which one feels good for your arrival onto the planet. And so it just mm. unfolded naturally where... Um, as the child grows up, the way that we relate to each other is I first met him as this soul to soul connection. And he happens to have a body now and he happens to be turning eight in a couple of weeks. And he, you know, happens to be a homeschool kid. All of that unfolded as a natural side effect of just us being, I realized that he's not somebody for me to order around. I don't own him. I'm here to be kind of like um, an earth tour guide. You know, here's this yeah. vast, infinite cosmic being who blessed our family with his presence you know it's it's a blessing and so he came here and um incarnated into the physical and now i have the job of basically being his tour guide like showing him all the beautiful possibilities that i'm capable of showing him and then letting him choose to have his own adventure of life that is the expression of his divine essence and the dharma he came to live you know, that's, that's actually none of my business. I'm just here to support and facilitate all of that. So when mm. um, it came time to go to school, we picked the most holistic, all organic preschool locally that we could. And they had like vegan options and paleo and keto and like all this stuff. And they were um, very flexible about injections and so on. So it was like, okay, we found our place. Yep. The most holistic, wholesome, indoor, outdoor. They have gardening, they have arts and crafts, music. It was so sweet. And when he was about three and a half, he started having the language 
to start talking about like, yeah, the place is nice. I, I yike my teachers, but but I don't yike it that they make you pee pee and poo poo during party time. Why do they have party mm. break time? I just want to pee pee and poo poo when my body says pee pee and poo poo, not when they say, oh, now is party break time. Mm. And I don't yike it that they have snack time and they make you eat at snack time because I want to eat when my body says hungry, not when teacher says mm. now snack time. And so mm. gradually he started kicking and screaming and not wanting to go to the preschool. And so I would go in with him and notice things like, like they'd have these activities and he's really engrossed in building the blocks. And he's like building this epic structure. It's like Taj Mahal. Yeah. And they're like, ding, now it's time to go to the music room or to the story time and whatever. And he would look at you like, what kind of weird situation is this? I'm building Taj Mahal here. Why can't I just keep doing that? Why do I have, I mean, story time is great. Music is great. But right now I'm deeply engrossed in this. I have my own agenda, my own rhythm. Why are you superimposing your agenda onto me? And so in his three and a half year old way, he started expressing. And by the time he was four, um, it got to the point where he would just like refuse to leave the car. And I couldn't mm. get him out of the car to go to this wonderful, sweet, holistic preschool. And so we had to wow. figure out, we pulled him out and we had to figure out how to homeschool. And he basically led the way and forced us without being forceful, you know, just be like, this is who I am. I have my own inner curriculum and my own agenda and my own rhythms. And I learn and thrive when I get to sleep until my body is well rested eat when I'm hungry, not be asked to eat when I'm not hungry, pee pee and poo poo when mm. my body says pee pee and poo poo, you know, like listen right. to my own inner rhythms. And, um, and he really started to thrive when we started uh, homeschooling and honoring his whole self-directed path. And um, so many interesting stories to tell that deprogrammed my own old programming. There's so many layers of things that just blow your mind. And I love the Anastasia, mm. um, the model of education and Shekinen style um, schooling, showing almost like an extreme example of what's possible when you get kids together mm -hmm. and honor and respect their self-directed path, how they can learn, you know, 10 years of cur curriculum in one year, they can build their own right. schoolhouse, they can grow their own food, they can do bookkeeping, they can run the operation of the school and go through all the academics and be wholesome, well-balanced, spiritually attuned, aligned human beings, healthy, vibrant, doing ice dunks, mm. doing you know, martial arts and dance and be holistically well-rounded, capable, vibrant human beings. And so I think um, I think all of us are are hungry for more and more examples of these, because that's just one example. You know, with Luminous Education Revolution, I wanted to survey all of the beautiful possibilities because what's happening is it's a lot like factory farming transitioning to permaculture or to biodynamics or you know these these um more honoring and respectful models of of co-creating with reality 
instead of superimposing right. our will in this like coercive, forceful, factory-like, one-size-fit-all way, that's the transition mm. that's happening across all systems. And with education, it's no different. The old model was there's one right way. It's a top-down, tyrannical, coercive, you know, everybody needs to fit into this factory model. But the new paradigm is very kind of wild and fluid and adaptive and creative, and it's very diverse. So a lot of us are like, mm. what's the one right way to educate or parent my child? And the one right way is that there's no one right way. It's about right. us being super present with each other as human beings, super pre present with our kids, and just throw away the dogma. Just do what mm. works to choose the most loving, wisdom-filled possibility that, that you can come up with in each and every moment and iterate and gradually learn and grow together by, by you know, going on this magical, surprising journey together as families and communities. And it sometimes feels like you're bumbling along, but that's what nature just nature iterates and it's always growing in elegance and adapting and is fluid and flexible and wild and diverse you know there's like the a lot of the strength in this new paradigm is just how how fun and creative and diverse it really is mm. wow edith well first of all thank you for sharing your story because all that is new to me like we've known each other for some time now, but I had never heard your story in that way. And um, that is amazing. And so the being that we're talking about is our little, my great little friend, Kabrim, who I was so happy to see before we got into the interview. Um, Edith's son is just this amazing um, child. It's like he's an inspiring presence. Um, and that's that's a very inspiring story for me because you are talking about so many things that Anastasia talks about in the Ringing Cedars. She talks about the children being alive on the mental plane. Like when you decide to be a parent and you envision what your future child would be like, they exist. And she actually does tell the story of a child coming to visit uh, a, a father in his dreams and all this stuff. And all that stuff is real. And so I appreciate you sharing that because that I feel like that encourages me. I feel like that's going to encourage our our listeners to to feel their intuition more, lean more into that, and kind of respect that and don't dismiss those things because there is that that reality is super real, right? I mean, it, you're saying you were being visited by this this spirit of this of this child, and people would walk into your house and they would feel it. It's like obviously that there's a reality to that unless these people were just insane right like it just wouldn't make sense right and so i i really appreciate being able to hear that story um you've really inspired me on a personal level i need to get a bit deeper in my meditations now <laughs> and um go a little well, deeper into my uh, so, so the beauty please. of um the children when they are four or five six seven there's a sweet spot window there where they have the language skills to articulate their perspectives on life. And I, every parent or every educator or every auntie or uncle listening that works with kids, you know, the kids say the darndest things and they sometimes just say things that blow your mind with how much beauty and wisdom 
the the from this very authentic honest place you know because the veils mm. are still very thin and they can just express this divine wisdom through them um so four to seven or eight there's this sweet spot window where there's this wonderful purity and this connection with source and also they have enough language to actually express and be great teachers for us and so much of that mm. window of time we're trying to indoctrinate them into the system that we miss out on the gift of them being great teachers for us and up leveling all of us and freshening up each and every generation by bringing more of the pure source wisdom through you know so my boy mm -hmm. um he started speaking at age four we would read books about space and he started saying like mama you know space is not really like that space has millions and millions and millions of space babies flying around mm -hmm. And then he started talking about, you know, before I jumped into your belly and became your baby, when I was a space baby, this and that, and he started talking about exactly the process of selecting your parents and how you look on these screens. And, and he says, every baby before they jump into their mama's bellies, they try to talk to the mama and papas. But a lot of times, the mamas and papas aren't hearing it. And he even said, you know, the first time I jumped into your dreams, you you heard me, which was so great. And I would uh, help the other space babies try to, because I was successful, I'd help them get through to their future mamas and papas too. And um, yeah, he shares so many beautiful things about what he remembers from before he came to the planet, before he jumped into my belly. And Mm. yeah so many so many amazing magical things that we shared together um just like tucking into bed at night instead of reading dr seuss books which we sometimes do we would just talk about what he remembers from before he came to the planet and it's like bedtime stories for me you know it's so sweet yeah yeah that's incredible and it's like everything you're saying is everything that like anastasia talks about she talked about the conception cue of like souls that are coming to the the planet she talks about the souls of the babies being tiptoeing through the stars is how she says it and all these things and it's like to hear a child who whose mind and soul and spirit was able to retain all that and and come and say it in his own words i mean that's powerful i think probably a lot of people are going to be listening to this and and feeling kind of the power of that and just it's it's so interesting too the, the the part about where you took him to this amazing preschool on paper and yet he's having all these issues with that experience like he wants to go poo poo when he wants to go poo poo and he wants to have snacks when he wants to have snacks and it's like on paper and I imagine you were probably realizing that yourself like you're like whoa this school is great but he's not having a good time here and so it's interesting because I, I could imagine some people would perceive that situation like, oh, he's just being this way and don't listen, right? And then there, that's one reality. But then you listen to your, your child's feedback and then it takes you on this amazing journey where he's telling you what he wants, how he wants to do things, what he prefers, and then he starts to thrive of like his own accord. And that's just like so powerful to hear because it's like, you know, uh in part of the presentation i gave in for the luminous education revolution i remember there's um a part where anastasia is talking about 
human society is always looking for systems, right? We're looking for these systems of education and these things that we can just like, basically to alleviate the blame from ourselves, right? We can fit our kid into this system and like he, you know, the system is now responsible for what happens. And so if something bad happens with my child's experience, I'm not fully culpable, right? I, I like, we don't say that to ourselves consciously, but it's a subconscious thing. And Anastasia talks about it. And it's like, I, I don't, I'm not coming from the space of, um, you know, we're all at different stages of our journey. And actually, this is something I really want to talk with you about the different stages of getting from conventional schooling to what you call luminous education and all those steps in between, because I think that that's so valuable for people to know and to think about. But it's like, um, actually, yeah, maybe let's just go there, because I feel like that's a that's a pretty big thing for people to consider. It blew my mind when you shared that for the first time. And so if you could take us through, I think people would love it. Yeah, a lot of my desire with Luminous Education Revolution as a project is that um, I kind of bumbled along on my journey. And then um, one of the gifts that I have is I'm a, a good systems thinker and I have a yeah. background. I have a degree in applied mathematics and um, and um, kind of like like thinking about algorithms and systems, you know, and then I worked in software designing algorithms and, and then I pivoted and became a Chinese medicine doctor, which by the way, Chinese medicine is all about pattern recognition. What is the pattern Very of and the harmony and disharmony between the five elements and so on? And how can we make microscopic little tweaks to bring balance and harmony with the ecology of the entire system, you know? So, um, mm -hmm. so bringing this way of thinking I um I wanted to talk with and learn from my, the most inspiring beings on this topic, including Gabriel Miguel and Anastasia and this whole philosophy. And then I wanted to kind of take a huge step back and and create um models and frameworks that allows other people to shortcut their transitional path. And so one of the right. things that I came up with is like, I, I, I took a huge step back and realized that on my journey over the last year, since our boy led us through this path, I bumbled along and I discovered that there's at really six phases of transition that's happening. We like to think of, oh, the old world and the new world, but you don't just flip a switch yeah. and switch to the new paradigm. There's a transitional right. process and an inner work and an inner journey and a repatterning and deprogramming process that is necessary. So I want to encourage all of us I find myself getting impatient. I just want to like jump through the portal and just 100% be in the new earth reality. But I realize that there's layers of work that we all are needing to take responsibility to clear the old ways, the old patterns and be kind and gentle with ourselves that there is a phase by phase approach that is the healthy pacing. I mean, these last few years, all of us listening to this conversation, don't you feel like you've learned and grown so much? You've evolved so rapidly like, let's be gentle with ourselves. Definitely. Right? We've we've taken on so much learning and growth already. And sometimes we need to just honor the phases of the journey and appreciate the gifts and the lessons learned and, you know, all the opportunities and gems each at each phase of the journey. So with the six phases <laughs> that I, I um, this model that I came up with, 
is to invite all of us to honor each phase of our journey of transition when it comes to the education paradigm. Phase one, I would consider just the default public school situation. And by that, I don't mean everybody that goes to public school. I mean, mean the consciousness of just being like, well, we just go because that's just what everybody's ever done. That's just what everybody does. Put your kids in school. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, totally normal to give birth to this divine cosmic being who's, who's bringing this like beautiful essence into the world and put them into a government indoctrination camp. It's totally normal. Let a, let a stranger raise Obedient the worker reason. training. Right. Now, some of us that are listening, though, may have our kids in public school, but it's because you've thought through all the possibilities. You're holding the vision of a beautiful new earth reality. And at this current right. moment, given the circumstances of your career, your life, the place where you live, public school is just temporarily the best option right now, but you're already right. expanding your consciousness thinking and you do lots of holistic, supportive um activities with your kids outside of school so school is only a small part of their experience of reality i'm not talking about that i'm talking about phase one is the default don't ask any questions just follow follow what the default thing is that everybody puts their kids in public school and just get uh, indoctrinated into all of these uh, ways of thinking that led to obviously what we saw in the last two and a half three years of the planet mm. behaving the way that it did the beauty of these last few years is that it got a lot of people asking questions, right? It like jolted us to our core. And so a lot of people, when we start asking questions, opening to new possibilities with when it comes to education, the next phase is looking at alternative styles of education, like a charter school or Montessori school or a Waldorf school. Each of these have their beauties and gifts. And it's a big leap in consciousness from the default conventional public school thinking. With Waldorf, there's this honoring of a holistic, more spiritual approach to life. You know, this integration mm -hmm. of head, heart, and hands is what they talk about in Waldorf. Um, in Montessori, they have this idea that they do have a curriculum, but how a child moves through it at their own pace, really honoring the pacing of a child being self-directed on if they want to move faster or slower and also having manipulatives, this idea of like, you don't just learn by like visual or rote memorization. Sometimes these tactile experiences really helps to integrate the learning. So there's beauties and gifts and gems available in these alternative systems. But what we saw in these last year and a half to three years is that a lot of these more holistically minded schools it turns out that some of them had the conviction and the courage to stand up and say, we're going to do what's right for our children and safeguard them from these strange protocols that are actually harming our children. Others mm -hmm. are just like, turns out they're also just robotic order followers. Even if they're trained in yep. Waldorf holistic thinking, you know, a lot of us joke about like Waldorf's hardly rolling over in his grave, seeing how many. Waldorf I've said it a thousand times. Yeah, how many Waldorf schools just were just robotic order followers? And it's got me thinking a lot because um, because at the end of the day, a lot of these philosophies, if you don't really go into an inner inquiry journey of freshening the, the soul and spirit of these methodologies and making it alive and fresh for this time, 
it yeah. gets stuck in the past and it becomes rigid and dogmatic and and then you're just like following orders and following some dogma and you don't really get the deeper essence of what you know what maria montessori or what uh, uh steiner were trying to bring like if they were alive today mm. what would they be saying you know they were counterculturalists they had a spine they had a backbone to stand up to the system and say you know we're gonna do something different um so right. the gift of that again is that it got a lot of families asking deeper questions like wow at the end of the day as loving and as holistic and as alternative minded the system i thought i was part of was but it's still a system and i am still giving my child to a set of well-intentioned strangers to raise and right. i may just still get that certain set of results you know and so it jolted a lot of us to ask questions like maybe i should pull my kid out of school and try homeschooling initially what people do when they do homeschooling is what my friend david james rodriguez taught me this term is school at home is not true homeschooling so i call that like well kind said. of phase three because what people do is like, you're still used to this idea that there's an expert out there that knows better what the education and curriculum should be for your child. So it's still externally driven. So phase one, two, three, they're each very different, but they're all externally driven ways of choosing a certain curriculum that some dead person a long time ago came up with this curriculum and you just like download it on the internet and now you're doing it on your kitchen table it's not that big of a difference is it now there is a big difference in terms of your honoring when your child peepees and poopoos when your child eats allowing them to sleep in and honor their body's biorhythm a lot of magic unfolds in the homeschooling communities just the people that follow curriculum you consistently notice that they graduate high school at age 15 and they have a lot of free time because the kids go through these curriculums when they're well rested when they're well fed mm. they get to eat when they're hungry drink when they're thirsty pee pee and poo poo and sleep and rest and take breaks and learn when their bodies and their brains and physiology is ready there's a huge difference that you see even in the school at home model how much more efficient and effective it is but it is also a lot of pressure on the parents now the parents they're usually working they're cooking they're cleaning they're doing laundry putting away the legos and then you got to supervise your child sit down at the kitchen table and go through all these workbooks and curriculums together it's too much it feels mm -hmm. mathematically impossible for a lot of parents and so what are you going to do flip-flop and put them back into public school or is there a different way so in our case our child really just strongly showed us that he had his own inner curriculum we could not mm -hmm. get him to i tried to get him to do workbooks and we, it, we couldn't do it he would just i'd be like honey let's write some abcs and he would write like half of an a and he'd look at me like what is the point of this you know wow. so later we would um um we would go to the market we would learn about money and then he'd be like oh we have this fruit tree we have this pear tree and look at these beautiful huge pears i'd like to share uh, uh sell these pears so i can make money to buy toys and so he's like mama can you help me make a sign that says delicious pears 50 cents and 
And so that's when he got interested in writing and reading. And, um, you know, as oh, wow. you know, I, we have a, a magical journey with math, too, with lemonade stands and fruit stands and right. going to the farmer's market. Tons of math happens naturally in a five or six year old's life. And then I'm just noticing how good his math is just because I bring him everywhere. We go to the market, we do stuff. He comes to work with me and he helps to check out our uh, uh, our customers at my um, clinic and all these little life experiences and cooking and doing ratios with recipes. I'm like, wow, that's what they're talking about with the unschooling and self-directed learning. From living life, mm -hmm. kids naturally pick up reading, writing, math, and you become numerate and literate so much faster by doing life. So this wow. whole paradigm of like allowing life to show itself and allowing the child's natural curiosity to be the main driving force of the kid's education, I learned this term is called unschooling, which is a kind of controversial term. Unschooling refers to the fact that we don't reference the old schooly paradigm in terms of what we value and don't value in the kid's learning journey. Instead, what we value is mm -hmm. what brings the kids curiosity and aliveness and passion and joy. Like we listen for that. We recognize that each kid already has a inner curriculum that just wants to be nurtured and expressed and how can we support and facilitate it so some people call it self-directed learning um, you've heard terms like play-based learning project-based learning so the kids just do projects and do life and and do their passions and joys and as a natural side effect learning to read and write and math and science a lot of things just aligns with that and unfolds naturally in order to do self-directed learning appropriately, though, there's a huge deprogramming phase now because parents, especially kids, get it much faster. But parents, especially, we get like start doubting ourselves like, oh, are they falling behind? Are they ever going to get into college? Will they have a good life? And oh, my kid, you know, in the school system, they try to get the kid to read at age five. But my kid is seven and he's still kind of shaky reader. Well, it turns out in the unschooling community and also in Waldorf, too, on average, kids start to learn at age nine how to read. to read. That's the natural average wow. starting age for reading. And then they're super fluent by, you know, 12, 13, 14. There's no catching up. They just like click it in. Whereas it's a wow. longer journey when we, you know, one size fit all style. Of course, there's a huge range of diversity in the when a kid naturally wants to read. But in the old school system, they try to get every kid to start to learn to read at age five. And in our luminous mm. education, project we had multiple presentations one of it talking about how from age four five six there's a sweet spot window there where kids according to the research naturally have um, brainwave activities that have gamma spikes where they can tap into insights and intuition and download cosmic wisdom. And our presenter, John Chavez, he makes the point that advanced meditation practitioners can hold onto that access well into adulthood. But on average, the conventional norm in our society is because we put our kids in public school. By age six, that access tanks. 
because we're busy indoctrinating yeah. them into this public school curriculum. You have to read, you have to write and puts them into an excessive beta brainwave pattern when kids naturally want to teeter totter between alpha and gamma brainwave patterns, which is the joyful, playful state and sudden download of cosmic wisdom and insight state. And this kind of analytical problem solving, doing math, doing analysis, they access it too, but it's a minority of the time. And if we distort that natural flow of what their physiology and neurology does, we lose something huge. We lose the ability for our kids to bring forth this divine wisdom to download beautiful insights and intuition into our physical reality. So, so, so what if they're reading earlier? What is the cost? So what if they're super, you know, good at like, um chess or or math like consider what is the trade-off if we you know there's like the natural aptitude of the kid and then there's us being one size fit all factory style trying to coerce kids into doing things that their brains and their inspiration isn't driven to do naturally so there's a lot of deprogramming that needs to happen a lot of questions that we have to get clear on as families and parents and educators and communities. So on average, they say that if your kid has been in public school for say eight years, give it about eight months of deprogramming, decompression time as a family. So like one year mm -hmm. per month um, of yep. like deprogramming or one month per year, you know, to kind of like decompress and deprogram. So they call that de-schooling. So to me, de-schooling- Would you call this phase four of the-, of the is this phase four, you would say? Yeah, so I would call de-schooling phase four and unschooling is phase five of the, the phases. Mm -hmm. And they iterate because mm -hmm. to do unschooling, these old patterns come up and then you have to clear it and take a step back and really listen to your heart, be present with your children and allow the right action to arise, you know? And so to allow the child to take a more of a leadership role in their education journey and allow us as adults, as parents and educators to take that facilitator supporter role instead of a, you know, top down tyrannical, you know, I tell you what to do, sit down, shut up, do this workbook. There's um, the whole family dynamic has to shift now and how we relate to mm. each other as mutually respectful, honoring human beings. You know, I have my life purpose and my dharma and my way of being that works for me and you have yours and let's honor and respect each other. Let's collaborate and be in partnership and co-create something that works for the whole family. That takes practice. Mm. There's not, we, mm -hmm. we haven't experienced that a lot in, in our mm. reality until now. So thankfully, there's a lot of people like all of our listeners, we all resonate with this idea that, of course, you own your body and I own my body and we're mutually respectful of each other. And when we can be mutually respectful, we can come together and co-create a really beautiful partnership and a higher win-win possibilities. So mm -hmm. if more and more of the world starts to resonate with this way of being, honoring and respecting our children, recognizing that they have their own inner curriculum that wishes to be expressed, 
that our role is as supporter and facilitator of all of this, that we recognize that the best learning happens through play and through practical project-based learning. And most importantly, when the child is ignited and inspired to learn, that coercive learning yes. isn't true learning. You don't really learn when you're forced to sit down, shut up, and memorize and regurgitate. I mean, how much of, how much of our stuff from our schooling do we retain? Nothing. But these days as adults, the types of people that's listening to this conversation, we're self-directed human beings. We found our way. I mean, when we came across yeah. the Anastasia books, we couldn't sleep all day, all night. We wanted yeah. to keep reading these books, right? You couldn't stop us. It's true. And how much we really like that inspiration, we integrated that knowledge and wisdom and really were inspired to make some serious changes in our life. And 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 mm. integrate this wisdom in a practical way that is actually useful in life that's true learning when you're ignited in this flow of inspiration you know the other way mm. coercive learning is not true learning it's just called jumping through hoops <laughs> you know so um when more and more of the world stabilizes in this way of being whether we call it unschooling self-directed learning or child-led learning whatever i think at the end of the day, this, this idea that we're all sovereign human beings, we take full responsibility and ownerships of our lives and our learning journeys, we're mutually respectful. I don't think that we want to do this alone, just at home. We want to do this in community with one another. Mm -hmm. And that's what I call luminous education, is that first, this this de-schooling and unschooling is part of the prerequisite transitional phase into what's really going to happen in the future paradigms which is us all coming back together having done our inner work having been through this journey having anchored ourselves as you know this orientation instead of the extrinsically motivated outside in way of doing life is an inside out way of doing life we've done a lot of inner work and from the inside out we want to be the fullest expression of our divine essence and divine purpose in this life now we can come together and co-create magic and beauty in communities and so the schools of the future one model is what you presented but i think there's a diversity of other models that have a similar similar essence of being honoring and respectful of one another, whereas the parents, right. educators, and the kids all come together to collaborate and co-create magical possibilities of learning experiences, which can be a mixture of play-based learning, project-based learning, and what you and I have talked about, the inquiry practice of somebody prompting a question and then the students, so to speak, holding the space of inquiry and then coming back with what what their their perspectives and then we collaborate and co-create in discussions and then that can lead to us being inspired to do a project Then we might do like a learning module to read some books to do some research, mm -hmm. take an, a class to support and facilitate us in then on a practical level, doing something with that knowledge and wisdom. So it's a mixture of all of these different models of learning in a very dynamic, organic, fresh, new way. And I like using mm -hmm. the word inquiry instead of like the Socratic method. You and I have talked about it mm -hmm. in the past. We did. 
you know how like the socratic method having this predefined destination where you want someone to arrive at and also the fact that it is generally like manipulating in a way to make them say yes to each point right yeah so it's it's asking questions with total curiosity and openness to truth versus with an agenda of a certain quote like learning or education outcome which limits now right. the consciousness of the child to the previous generation but the child is here to right. bring forth something even more beautiful this is the nature of our evolution of human consciousness that we're always iterating and growing and learning and expanding possibilities so if we pose interesting questions to children and take a huge step back and allow the children to then teach us and then we ping pong and go into conversation together then that's where that magical co-creative process can be possible so I think that's a huge piece yeah. of the education of the future and Another something that this it brings up oh, I'm sorry I just I can't yeah. hold this back it's something that this brings up for me is that there is a fundamental shift that happens between in the relationship between like parent and child or what we would say teacher and student there's a dissolving of those lines and there is a mutual respect that arises where it's like especially as we're the older generation right we are the parents we are the teachers or whatever but something that i love that anastasia talks about from the first book is like you're respecting your child as this fully formed divine being who's happens to be in a small body at the moment it's like yes. they have this like all this beautiful consciousness this soul this spirit this mind this independent will and they can't express all of it the way we can but they have it it's there and getting in the way of it is a a, a very something we really would like to avoid doing and that you're talking about this relationship that's founded on this like mutual respect because I think the kids can feel when we respect them that way too and that makes them feel safe and that makes them feel like they can trust us and that they can come to us and be open and, and I think you know Shatinan talks a lot about it and it's discussed throughout the books but like that feeling of safety and trust between a uh, child and other students or a child and parents and whoever is, are the guiding figures in that kid's life to to have that safety and that trust and to feel that respect yeah wow yeah that there's so much there and the piece that I always like to emphasize is honestly we've been missing out on the gifts of learning from our children because we're too busy trying to get them to behave or sit down and do their workbooks and we we miss out of what they can be sharing with us what they can show us what they can teach us the expansion of, mm -hmm. of our consciousness the leveling up of all of humankind that's possible as each generation bring more beauty more wisdom more more um more authenticity and expression of our divine essence into physical form like we've been squashing that and missing out so much so i'm so excited that now this is the generation where we can unleash all of those possibilities again right right and i 
I, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier. I, I don't know if you remember where you were trying to go before I put that in. Oh, um, I, yeah, I forgot already. But there's another <laughs> okay. piece that, that I, I want to share in this new paradigm of education. These are kind of, um, as one of our speakers and teachers in luminous education, Charles Eisenstein, he talks about the fact that we're in this transitional time and that... Mm. Those of us that hold these beautiful visions, we're really like emissaries from the future. We're time traveling from the future and bringing it back to this present, this vision, this possibility. And um, we have to be willing to be in the discomfort of this transitional phases that we're in because that actually informs our action or activism or our solution making, you know, helps us to, right. to feel that the tension that we feel as we're transitioning from the old to the new is very informative and can be very motivating for us to take action. Um, so, so as part of this, this um, bringing the future vision into this present, there's all these elements, right, these possibilities of holding a space of genuine curiosity with our children, mm. asking them questions without agenda. And then when is the right moment to infuse some of our knowledge because we're co-creating, we're mutually respectful. It's like, oh, well, I've been on planet earth more years than you and I'm aware of these books or these online courses or this program that can support us in actually like doing some projects and learning certain academic knowledge that can actually support us in this inquiry process, this learning process. Would you like to read this book with me? Or would you like to go on the internet and take this little mini course with me so that we can take this conversation to the next level? And so it's this very fresh and organic experience. But another huge piece of the new education paradigm is all of us nurturing our energy awareness and being aware of the fact that so much of the learning that happens is unspoken. It has to do with an energy exchange that happens. And this goes back mm. to all the adults doing our inner work again, right? Like when we actually heal ourselves and do our inner work, we can bring an authentic essence and presence into our interaction with the kids and the kids pick up on that energy. And something that I like to call out that probably your audience is already sensitive to, but it's helpful to articulate it sometimes is um, yep. I call this new generation the luminous kids because they're expressing a fuller possibilities of what it means to be human. You hear terms like indigo and crystals and rainbows and all these things, but I like to throw out all those terms because they have like new agey dogma associated with them. It's just yeah. like the fuller expression of a human being what does that look like they might have heightened intuition they might express certain possibilities like my boy took a little mini class in blindfold reading and so now he can read completely blindfolded he can just see with his third eye you know and read little tiny barcodes mm -hmm. and the alphanumeric letters at the bottom of bar barcodes completely blindfolded and this is pretty common with the kids i think a lot of these kids that are more healthy they don't have too many poisons injected into their bodies and they eat all organic non-gmo and live with a more nature infused environment they're just naturally energetically more open and they can activate these possibilities very easily and it seems kind of mind-blowing to us you know but this is these are just symptoms of this new generation they are 
just like us, human, just like us, but they express fuller possibilities, I think. So mm -hmm. I call them the mm -hmm. luminous kids. And so one piece about the energetic resonance that I want to call out is what's really happening when you're interacting with the kids. Kids always call you out on your BS, right? They, they do. They, they've always done that. And that's the beauty if we're humble enough to be like, you're right. That, that was absurd or ridiculous. Thank you for kindly pointing that out to me, honey, you know? So kindly what, or abruptly as they tend to do. Yes, or abruptly, yeah. <laughs> but they just they just call out the truth and the BS for what it yep. is. And I, I hope that we are humble enough to listen to it and not squash that spirit because we can all benefit so much from it. And of course, we can also articulate to them, hey, honey, I can hear you better if you teach me in this way. You know, we can um, teach them how to give helpful feedback to the world in a way that others can hear too. But at the end of the day, our kids are here to call out the BS. That's what they're here to do. So what are they actually right. seeing though? They're listening for what you say, that you value your philosophy in life, all of this. And they're seeing, is it congruent with your actions? But it's not just that. They're looking beyond the actions to see if it's congruent with the consciousness and the intention behind your actions. For example, as a family, we like to eat all organic and don't eat too much junky foods or sugar or whatever. But do we do it because we bring the energy of self-love and self-care, of deep inner mm. listening? I, you know, for example, like, oh, honey, I don't want to eat too much candy. I notice that when I eat too much candy, my body doesn't feel good. So that's why I don't eat it. But you can have some if you want. Just listen to your body, you know, versus mm -hmm. dogmatically, you know, sugar causes cancer. Yep. And we're so like, we're so afraid and we out of fear and out of some kind of militant, dogmatic, rigid energy, we choose to eat healthy. So in my opinion, that's not a very healthy approach, you know, just, just like a natural expression of, I love and care about my body. I love and care about life. And because of that loving, caring energy, I'm just going to do the right thing because that just what feels good and feels authentic, you know? So mm -hmm. they're checking for that. What are you saying? What are your actions, the energy and consciousness and intention underlying your actions? But then they're also, because they have this beautiful pure source connection, one of our speakers and teachers in Luminous Education really called this piece out. Our children are comparing everything that they're seeing in this reality to the pure source handbook, so to speak. What is in integrity and alignment with natural law, with the deeper essence yeah. of what they remember the truth of this cosmos and the nature of reality to be, is it in alignment? Is it congruent with that? Because these children came here to help us to really like um, invert the inversion, so to speak, you know, like birth a more integrous, honest, authentic way of being human in such a way that is really in alignment with our our truer divine essence in this life like what is mm. in integrity with that so they're comparing all mm. these levels what you say what you do the consciousness behind what you do and comparing it to this pure source handbook and see if they can 
you know, show us how can we do human in a more beautiful way. And so we have the opportunity if we took a step back and supported our kids in expressing this and teaching this and showing this to the world, all of humankind has the possibility of up leveling. If we don't do that, mm -hmm. at some point, the kids love kids love their mom and dad. And honestly, out of survival, they're going to end up distorting and contorting themselves to fit the family distortions and patterns just to fit in for survival, right? So that is the choice. Right. And so gradually, as you go from babyhood to the youth to teenage life, um, Masajati in his presentation really talks about how it's more, he calls it like, it's kind of like baking a cake. In the beginning, you're choosing mm. the ingredients and you like stir up the cake mix. And then in teenage years, you're basically putting the cake into the oven. And some of the teenagers will act very rebellious because suddenly as they're going into the oven to be like solidifying into adulthood, they're like, wait a minute. These are not all the ingredients that I wanted to be stuck with. Hold up, hold up. They take me back out of the cake. I'm going to like push back and rebel. And so, so, so many of the speakers in Luminous Education Project talked about how they have rich and wonderful relationships with their teens. And that hmm. um, we think that teenagers always want to like hate on their parents and be embarrassed by their moms and dads and, and, and reject right. and rebel. But actually, maybe a lot of that rebellion is not there. They don't really want to rebel against mom and dad. They just want to push back on all of these distorted energy patterns that they don't want to solidify into as they enter into adulthood. What we really want right. is to have a beautiful, rich and intimate relationship with mom and dad. But we do want to push back because this is a time where we want to like clarify what kind of adult human I want to become. And the teenagers are seeing that there's these distortions and patterns that we I don't want to solidify into my being. So what do we do? We have to do some kind of like, like strong rebellion or something to push back on those patterns so that ultimately we become the kind of adult that is the more pure and authentic, congruent human being that we came here to be. Mm. Wow. And, and this and this takes me back again to like, it's the same idea of they they just want to feel safe. And they want to look at you and and see, first of all, I can talk and feel safe with this person. And also this person is real and authentic, right? Like this person is living their values. They're treating me well, I'm able to be heard and feel safe and feel good with this person and like explore life together. Right. This person respects me, respects my perspective, respects my will, isn't going to impose something on me. I feel good and confident with this person because you're right. I think the cultural idea of we think teenagers are just rebellious by nature. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think they're just looking for just safety and authenticity and integrity with their parents. And they want to have a great relationship with their parents because I was a rebellious kid. But it's the same thing. It was like I was rebelling against the will of the world that was trying to be imposed on me while I was seeking my way. And I didn't feel like other people were trying to receive what I had to say. So I had to just carve my own way in the world. And that's kind of how it is. But if we can avoid going that far down the path and have like 
the the safety and the trust and the mutual respect with the kids and we can have these beautiful relationships that you're talking about like the presenters have because i think it's completely natural and it's like kids just want to have a great relationship with us naturally and it's it's anastasia talks about to raise children is to raise yourself right and that's so much of what you're talking about it's like it all really starts and ends with like how far are we willing to go with ourselves and our inner work and questioning how we see the world how we behave how we react to situations how we choose to live our lives in integrity with our values and things and it's like it really is a non-stop process there is no perfection and i love like perfection is just the fact that you're continuing to go upward right at whatever pace that winds up being and i love how you you make a point for people to remember that to like you know, just because if you're if your kid is in any of these stages of the six phases that Edith talks about, like if they're still in public school or they're in a Waldorf school, it's not judgment or anything on any phase of that, right? Or like where your relationship is at with your kid right now, like all those things can be improved and iterated on and changed. And it's really just about like, don't beat yourself up, take it slow. You're trying your best where you're at now you're tomorrow you'll be one percent better the next day you'll be two percent better and it just compounds over time and then you know a couple of years from now you look back and you're not living the same reality that you were before and it all just compounds you know and, and it's it's a journey yeah and this paradigm that we're calling luminous education is just like a very loose umbrella term for each of us having been through our journey of inner work and inquiry and asking questions and permitting ourselves to to deepen into the richness of life and bring the best gems and gifts of our past to co-create into this new future so someone mm -hmm. who's really deeply immersed in the public school system if you get a lot of clarity about what were the gifts and what didn't work about the system that becomes so helpful in the new paradigm as someone who brings the very right. best of Waldorf, the deeper essence of Waldorf without the rigidity or the dogma. Sometimes it feels like kind of stuck in time. But if you're someone that understands the essence of Waldorf and can freshen it for today's world, someone that can get the deeper essence of Montessori and freshen it for and adapt it to today's world and the next hundred years world, you know, then you're very valuable in the new paradigm that we call luminous education. And ultimately it's the weaving together of the very best timeless gifts of all of these traditions and freshening it for this new time that is like humanity has never experienced before. Matthias de Stefano is one of the, um, the teachers in our Luminous Education Project, and he has conscious memories of Atlantis, conscious memories of living in a, a, on a planet in Sirius millions of years ago, conscious memories of all of his lifetimes. And he speaks so beautifully about this is a time that we can reference all these ancient wisdom and future visions, but ultimately we are creating something that humankind has not created before this is super exciting this is completely fresh and new and we can reference all of these other timelines and civilizations and even what we are inspired by with the anastasia work what about 
in this English speaking world that this is the gift of what you're bringing, Gabriel, is to freshen this essence and the spirit of what Anastasia is teaching, but making it doable and practical for the modern Western English speaking world and actually mm -hmm. translate it into what is applicable and practical and beautiful for us in the reality that we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that I, I think about a lot because when I first started um, trying thinking more about the Ringing Cedars educational philosophy, I forget, I had a conversation with some reader a long time ago, and she said, like, we are not Russian, right? We are not, we don't have their, for example, culture of folk dancing or some of the martial arts they practice and a lot of like the cultural things that they do that they integrate into their educational methods and like we are not that we are an entirely different culture that is on the other side of the planet with our own language and our own history and it made me think it's like you know there's all these beautiful concepts that we can bring but at the end of the day it's like our own unique mixture of everything right like especially if you live in america how many of us are really deeply tapped into like our ancestral traditions america is this brand new country we're all over the place and there's a million traditions and it's like what are you gonna bring from your experience and I, this makes me think of a, a quote from autobiography of a yogi where babaji says he says everything on the earth is of a mixed character like a mingling of sand and sugar be like the wise ant which seizes the sugar and leaves the sand and i feel like that's so much of what you're saying because there is value in every single thing even like the traditional public school approach has something that we can bring from it and bring to this this new world and it's you know honoring all the phases of our journey all the insight that we have and just showing up and being our best right just putting our best foot forward with what we have and trusting that we will find the direction because Anastasia talks a lot about that too she's like you have to trust that your thought will find a way like a sprout that's searching for the sun coming out of the ground right like this the sprout just keeps pushing forth through the dirt in this expectation that it will find the sun and begin to get nourished and that's kind of how our thought works is that if we don't stop it we can get there and it's it's this beautiful empowering place that you're coming from like with just this whole perspective of having faith in ourselves trusting and believing that we can get to this destination and and we're actually capable of it right like I'm, I'm probably very sure that on your journey there was tons of layers of just self-doubt that you had to peel away and just like right yeah, I think a lot of this is tied in with a conversation that you and I have had before about this, like calling something wrong, being afraid of making mistakes. I'm at a point yeah. in my journey now where when I encountered that fear and anxiety, like, oh, my God, I don't want to do it wrong. It's still there, but I recognize that it's like, oh, that I was like programmed for that <laughs> in the yeah. old education paradigm. There's some kind of a totally irrational primal fear of doing it wrong because we were yeah. indoctrinated into a system of education and parenting where we were punished sometimes quite severely for doing something wrong whereas in the anastasia and shakinan style of schooling they never even use this word wrong it's just like 
Right. Oh, well, when you did it like this, it had a certain result. How else could we do it? Should you turn right, turn left, go up or down? Just keep flowing the energy and keep allowing new iterations of learning and growth to yes. transpire. And there's no this like fear of making mistake, you know? It's it's um so I'm at a point in my journey where I still have that fear, but when I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, there goes that old pattern, that old program again. I was I was, you know, programmed to feel this weird primal fear, like I'm gonna be like kicked out from the tribe. Um, and you know, the disapproval of everybody in the community triggers something like a primal type of fear. And um, I can heal that and I can move forward and choose to keep iterating, choose to keep learning and growing from every experience. And Matthias De Stefano said something very profound that he said, because we're so afraid of making mistakes, the paradox is that you never learn from so-called mistakes. So you don't learn and your growth is stunted. And then your whole life mm. is a big mistake. <laughs> because we're so afraid of a mistake we get stuck at the level of the mistake and we never evolve past it you know what i mean we don't like, move yeah, yeah we don't move and we get we freeze in this that and our, our growth and our evolution and our maturity gets stunted and right. his opinion is that we're so afraid of making mistakes that we even have a society where we appoint all these clowns these these uh corrupt politicians that don't have a lot of wisdom aren't very intelligent to make big decisions for countries and societies that is not in the yeah. best interests of humankind. And the underlying root of that has to do with our fear of mistakes. Because if we're not yeah. afraid of making mistakes, then we will take full personal responsibility for our lives and keep iterating and keep trying new things, keep coming together as community to build better solutions. We get very busy building solutions instead of being busy pointing our finger at the television, yelling at the silly politicians that are basically acting like clowns. This whole sport of pointing at the left or the right, the blaming other. this politician, blaming that politician, that underneath it is a fear of making mistake because we'd rather blame yep. them for making the big mistakes for us than to take full and personal responsibility and try to bumble along and build a better society, you know? Amen. And this is like what I was saying, I think in the beginning of our conversation is that Anastasia and Vladimir described that we're constantly searching for a system or something where we can put our children into. So that way, when something happens, we can say that it's their fault and we don't have ownership for the process and the results. And it's like, I'm not, I don't say that to demonize. I just say that because that's what Anastasia and Vladimir said. But there is this part of us that I guess is coerced into trying to act that way of where we're programmed to behave that way, right? By society, the popular culture doesn't want us to be strong, empowered, self-directed people with our own willpower and, and accountable for the things in our life. We're taught to blame out here, give responsibility to this person, this school, this system, this politician, this you know mentor figure or whoever is culpable for the things in my life or my child's life. And it's like, the only way for us to be free is to claim this responsibility. It's so clear and it's so obvious, but it's such a it's such a 
I would say difficult thing in, in many ways. Like it does take work and it's, it's a really deep transformation that happens when we're like, nope, the buck stops with me. I'm carrying the weight of this. I am responsible for this. And you just own it, you know, and it, there's no stronger and freer place to live from than that. And I, I just love that. It is such a like, it's such a strong concept that we talk, we, it appears in education, it appears in just when you're talking about raising children or, or living your life, it's like, it really does start and end there. Like how much of that responsibility are you willing to take for yourself? And just continuing to grow that capacity of like, I'm willing to say that this was my fault or, you know, not my fault, but I am in control here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then, and, and honoring where we are on that journey, being gentle with ourselves and right. oriented in that direction, but we don't flip a switch and suddenly be, you know, already, uh, yeah. you know, fully respond. We don't, we don't just, um, you know, like wave a magic wand and suddenly we have all the new earth communities. We're all living beautifully in our, um, kin's domains adjacent to each other. And we've come up with like all our community centers where we collaborate together and to co-create the new education models of the future that all takes time. And it requires each of us to gradually expand into a fuller and fuller set of possibilities and to keep learning and growing. And yeah. there's a lot of skill development that needs to happen. So to be kind and gentle with ourselves is to to appreciate the journey and the process of all of this and um yeah we're we're already getting there the new earth is already here but being gentle with ourselves as we go through this transitional process together and celebrating all the gifts and the learning and the opportunities and the gems along the way mm -hmm. yeah and one thing that i really wanted to get your opinion on because you have seen so many different models and ways of people doing education. I, I wanted to see if you could share a bit about some of the different ways you've seen people set things up. Like you've seen uh, there's the learning villages and there's all these um, different school models and, and, and there's such a big spectrum, right? Because there are more like traditional schools where a kid can go for eight hours of the day and things like that. And I, I would love to hear some of the things that you've seen, some of the things that the speakers in the Luminous Education Revolution talk about, because I think that's going to be really valuable for people, because it's not all just like a school model, just like this, right? There's a million ways it can be done. Yeah. And I think there's an order of operations that's helpful to call out, which is that um, <clears throat> how does learning occur? Some of it happens in a schooly setting, but the overwhelming yep. majority of learning happens just from doing life. So first of all, building community. And so what we did in my community here is um, we just started having a bunch of homeschooling families gather in the park and we just hang out and play. And then we start trading, swapping childcare and swapping our fruits and vegetables. And it evolved into weekend picnics where we invite the bigger village of, you know, do you have neighbors? Do you have aunties and uncles and, and grandmas and grandpas? We developed this, what's really a multi-generational village vibe without having bought our land yet. But just like in, the, in our county, who's freedom-minded, 
who's honoring and respectful of, of body sovereignty, you know, like, okay, you're our people, come out to our picnics, let's do our drum circles, let's um, help each other out. If you're out of town, I'll come to your house to water your plants for you. Let's trade our fruits and vegetables. I trust you to babysit my kid because you're like-minded and you're honoring respectful human being and kind and loving and of a similar consciousness and orientation to life. So building that village energy singing and mm. dancing and um also having each other's backs when hardship comes to the community that is the first order of operation in my opinion beyond mm. the schooly stuff um to just see like how do we do human and to be in a community where our kids have a diverse array of possibilities so that as they grow up it's not just about like what kind of schooly structure but they have mentors they have human beings who are who we respect. And um, if they want to apprentice, we have, you know, like uh, metalsmiths and we have car mechanics and we have electricians and we have um, entrepreneurs and business people and all these diverse array of adults that we honor and respect that can model possibilities for our kids and mentor them and maybe take them in for apprenticeships in the future. So I feel that mm -hmm. building a diverse and robust community is the first order of business. In Luminous Education Revolution, um, we showcase this year, we actually have a whole set of sessions from last year too, where we showcase other mm -hmm. examples. But this year we showcase three examples. One of it is with Nicole Young, who is uh, based in Santa Cruz, California. Now, three years into this whole crazy situation of the world, her program is the most robust one that I've heard of anywhere, where she has something like close to 30 educators, 100 families, and um, offerings for kids from 18 months to 18 years old. And because a lot of the families are still in the schooly paradigm, she does offer traditional conventional academics, but they also offer crypto class, sacred geometry, and entrepreneurship, and the yoga, and meditation, and, and tons of nature experiences. Her background is as a nature educator. She has had many years of experience building forest education, nature education, nature-based mentorship programs as homeschool support uh, en enrichment programs. So that was her background before all the madness that ensued in 2020, which had her basically come together with community. They started by sneaking children behind, like unmasked children into her friend's yoga studio just to keep educating the kids so that the kids could still get together and learn and grow together when all the schools were shut down. Well, gradually it evolved now to where they have, um, they have a, a building and they have all of these rich and beautiful relationships with local farms. They've got all these forest programs. They've got these uh, farm programs and they have programs like their teens come together to do a pop-up kitchen where they grow the food mm. at the farms, they harvest the vegetables, they come up with the menu, they cook the food, they market, they budget, they create all the marketing and branding and website and all of the stuff. They actually do the pop-up kitchen, serve the food, and that money that they earn becomes a funding for their winter ski trip. 
So they so have fine. all of these kinds of programs together. So beautiful. And this is already happening now. This is not some future vision. It's already taking place now. Her, um, what she shared it, it is her, what she's bumping into is that a lot of the educators came from different types of school systems. And she would like the educators to be more um, well-trained in more of an entrepreneurial mindset instead of an employee mm -hmm. type of mindset. So there's a, an up-leveling yeah. of the educators and the parents, and a lot of the parents still are of the mindset they want to follow a traditional curriculum, but she'd like for more and more of the families to get on board with more practical project-based learning, self-directed, child-led, interest-led, play-based learning. She'd like to do more mm -hmm. of that, but right now she's meeting the community where they're at there's some true unschoolers that just take classes a la carte, and then some that just really need the childcare Monday through Friday. So she's built this mm -hmm. very robust program that meets everybody where they're at, which is amazing. And eventually, I think we're all going to move towards the new paradigm, where it's a lot more project-based, practical learning, more inquiry, more driven by the child's interest, and not so much following a certain you know, public school type curriculum. A lot of families are still mm -hmm. worried that their kids won't get into college, for example, if they don't go through the traditional curriculum. So there's that right. model, which is super beautiful. There's um, there's Janisa Washington, who built basically a small pod of high schoolers, and they came together and, and took, asked those deeper questions as a group of families that broke free from the Waldorf school that they were part of because they were not, um, you know, asking those deeper questions when all the madness happened in 2020, they didn't, a group of the family said, you know, we don't like what, what the school is doing with our children. This seems harmful. Mm -hmm. So this group of families mm -hmm. stepped outside and they said, we want to freshen up the spirit of Waldorf for this current time. We're not anti-technology. Mm. We want to cultivate our kids to have a wise and intelligent interaction with technology. And we don't need our kids to be in school Monday through Friday. Let's do Monday through Thursday. And Friday be a flexible day where sometimes we can gather if if it's appropriate, sometimes not. And the kids have programs with local biodynamic farms and learn to grow the vegetables. And they have all of these like wonderful holistic activities. And they actually brought the highest quality like-minded Waldorf educators from that previous school to basically break free and way up level and do their own thing so it's still Waldorf in essence but it's a lot more honoring and respectful of the smaller group of families and what they actually mm. value asking those deeper questions like who are we what do we value how can we redesign with the essence of the Waldorf spirit behind everything that we do but redesign our journey so that it really is the most ideal win-win for our smaller group of families. And they managed to pay their um, teachers at least as much as they were previously um, paid and just lots of magic and synchronicities in how they landed the space to do this program and so on. So there's a lot of, with all of these badass moms that broke free from the system and decided to build something even better, so many stories of magic and synchronicities and um, divine spirit kind of like guiding and supporting them. <laughs> and then yeah. there's, um, there is Melanie who's based in North Carolina 
and I'd love to introduce you okay. with her time. She, yeah. her story is that she's been an entrepreneurial kind of like, she's just an entrepreneurial minded go-getter type of lady. And she'd been running her own business yeah. and, um, and she'd been homeschooling her children for a long time already. When the school shutdowns happened in 2020, a bunch of the families in the community knew her as a homeschooling mom. They're like, we don't know what we're doing. We can't just like quit our jobs and suddenly homeschool all of our teenagers. So all these high school kids got dropped off at her house. She was like, I'll help. Wow. Life is figure outable. I'm going to help you out. Let's figure it out together as a community. So she had 13 kids at her house and she was homeschooling all these 13 kids. And so just as like a good problem solver and innovative, creative thinker, she came up with interesting alternative ways of teaching these kids and word got out. People said, hey, do you need some money? Do you need some supplies? How can I help you and support you? And um, she was mm -hmm. um, tasked with hosting um, a movie for the community that had to do with medical freedom. So that brought a lot of medical freedom people into her circle and this church pastor who never shut down his church who was i think he's a vietnam war vet he's just got a strong spine on his back and he was like no i'm not I'm standing up to this all this madness and absurdity i'm not shutting down and so this church pastor said you know what you've got all these kids at your house why don't you bring them to the church because the church monday through friday during quote unquote school hours is basically vacant why don't you bring this whole operation here? And word just started getting out and she started talking with the community. And basically all of the people that are helping to teach these kids, none of them are teachers. Her model is that they have something like a PMA and, um, and you sign an agreement as a family that joins this PMA, that that you have a certain philosophy and orientation with life and you agree with certain mm -hmm. principles and so on. And that the teachers who teach, not one single one is a school teacher because she believes she actually has a sister who's kind of like a soon to be retiring, very exhausted and burnt out public school teacher. And she said, I don't want my kids to be around that energy. You know, I mm -hmm. want my kids to be around people that are um, creative and innovative and good problem solver. So she has a retired finance guy teaching math to the kids. She has a real life zoologist Amazing. teaching biology. She's got this like really awesome young chiropractor teaching anatomy and physiology. She's got real life right. people in the community that are doing real life practical things with those topics, teaching the kids and they she just lets them loose like, hey, just teach, you know, this is loosely what needs to be taught roughly at this age, but you go to town. Basically, if you have a good attitude, you're a good uh, problem solver, you love kids and you love that topic, everything else can be figure outable. And so they've got this really mm -hmm. awesome model where they have offerings Monday through Friday because she got very clear also that even though she was a homeschooling family that sometimes does more unschooling models, she also wanted to reach her community where people are at. And most people are still in that Monday through Friday, I need the childcare mode, right? 
many people right. aren't ready right. to change their careers to have a super flexible schedule to spend more time with their kids as much as our hearts want to our lives is at a right. certain place and you can't just flip a switch and suddenly change your career completely so she made the decision to create a program she calls is it's called a learning haven is what she calls hers mm -hmm. um a learning Amazing. haven where she has a community and all the families are part of this whole like a web work of small businesses they all support each other you know they're all in community they also do weekend village picnics and barbecues together they're basically a community of families raising their children together and when it comes to the school is a learning haven where the educators are all wonderful adults who she personally feels good about her kids being around all day and none of them are teachers, but they're teaching the traditional school subjects, but from a fresh new practical angle, where there's like the finance guys teaching them about the Federal Reserve and compound interest and fiat currency as Amazing. part of the math curriculum and the creature from Jekyll Island and inflation and how does that all work? That's, <laughs> That's all awesome. baked into their math curriculum, for example. So these are just mm -hmm. a few examples that I hope inspires everybody that's listening to just go for it. Like, what is your little piece of the puzzle in this transition? What can you offer? When I talk with Melanie, right. she says she does coaching for other communities that want to birth their own learning havens. And so she really recommends that you get clear what is the piece of the puzzle that you want to solve? Who are the people that you want to surround yourself with? What are you most excited to offer? Maybe what you want to offer is just one day a week, you offer um, music or arts and crafts to your community and keep it small like that. Well, if that's something that you're passionate in doing, let's, let's make a plan. And she offers coaching so people within... I think five or six weeks from idea conception to a total business plan to templates for the parent and family agreements and all of that, you know, and same with uh, Nicole Young, she offers coaching and traditionally she, she says that there's really um, a few models, like a lot of families coming together to build a co-op where all the families help each other out. That works really well when the kids are young. Next is these parents come together and say, you know, we need to hire an educator that has expertise to help teach our kid. So that's kind of like a nanny share, except you're, you're basically all coming together to hire a tutor and sharing in the cost of hiring that tutor. So she calls that the nanny mm -hmm. share model. And then what she's doing now with this very robust 25, 30 educators, 100 families, five days a week of programming is what she calls a learning village, you know? So there's all these mm -hmm. like different models that are being offered and we're all invited to just do what is doable within our community right now. For my community, what is doable right now is we just do every Monday, we do park gatherings. And once a month, we do a big old picnic with drum circles and community gatherings and, and trading our fruits and vegetables and all of that one Saturday a month. And that's what I'm passionate and joyful to create right now in our community and allow it to evolve naturally from there. So wherever on that spectrum you want to participate in creating the New Earth solution is perfect, in my opinion. Wow. Edith, thank you for explaining that because 
you know, it, it just goes to show that there is no right way or wrong way. There's just whatever way works for you in the moment. It's whatever feels good, whatever feels like you're capable of doing is what is going to wind up being the best way. Like in this new paradigm, there is no rules. There is no dogma of right or wrong has to be done this way. It's like, this is working or this is not working. And this is what I'm able to do or what I'm not able to do. And just honoring wherever we're we're at because it's like we're there's so much deprogramming to be done about how we should be doing things or how how we need to model or structure things right even even the idea of um and this is more of the legal thing but you mentioned pmas for those who don't know what a pma is uh it stands for private membership association and that's where Edith was explaining, you sign the rules and um, values and things that you agree to as a member of this association. And like, that's how a lot of people are structuring these schools or what you would call learning villages, learning havens and all these things as a private entity. Um, people who want to learn more about this. I know Edith, I know you especially know more about it from the educational aspect of it, um, how people have applied it in education. But like, that's definitely something people should look into uh, to learn more about for themselves and however they want to structure these things legally. Yeah, I am um, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I um, have the our entire healing practice has been reorganized into a private model too, where we have private patrons and they sign an agreement and so on. So taking it completely out of the statutory jurisdiction into the private is um it's a must, you know, that's another huge piece of what I so appreciate about you, Gabriel. It's like the essence of what yeah. Anastasia and the Rain Cedars is offering practical on the ground in today's society. How do you make it real? And we do have to go into a journey of learning about the legal and lawful matters and the right paperwork and not only the right paperwork, but the right inner essence to bring into this because mm -hmm. there's a certain energetic shift that needs to happen from the inside out before we can, you know, really um, create these solutions that it's like, no, we are in a different jurisdiction to hold that energy in your body and as a community yeah. and to not go into fear, you know, if, if um, any so-called authorities come knocking in the friendly, kind, loving and respectful way, we can speak to the the law that safeguards our ability to operate in the private, and that requires education, but also an inner inquiry journey of, you know, who are you deeply? <laughs> and how can you hold that energy so that the whole community can up-level together like this? Mm -hmm. Right, like you are free, you are sovereign, you have all the right in the world to operate however you see fit, however you define you want to operate. And I think there, that's the philosophical or the spiritual essence of operating in the private is that I take responsibility. I set the direction for how I want things to go. And I will not let anyone push me out of that. Right. And, and I know where I'm at and who I want to be and which direction I want to go. And I'm setting the rules for my private education association, right? I'm setting the rules for my Chinese medicine practice. And this is how we're going to do it. And you ask people to, you know, they just cooperate. They read the thing and they understand this is how you're operating. And it just works. And uh, it is, a, it is a, it is a 
something that I think we would all be better off learning these things because we did an event with Ron Gibson um, a few months ago in August, who's like the best living land patent master. We had a bunch of our dear friends and brothers and sisters from Russia come and speak about their life on their kin's domain. And one of the beautiful things, and Robert William from AMG, American Meeting Group, who's co-founder and works with Ron Gibson, um, when we were talking and planning that event, I had the realization that all these law things that we do for our freedom are to protect this beautiful, sacred, love-filled lifestyle, right? And so like when we look at the law, sometimes it can be like this daunting, rather boring, depending on your perspective, uh, subject. But at the same time, if we know it and we can make it our friend, it is a safeguard or like a, a protection of our freedom. And it enables us to continue living in this self-directed way in this life full of joy and love that we're choosing to create. And so I did a little symbol. I did the yin yang. And on in one side, I did um, the way of life, which in 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 that event, we were talking about kin's domains. And the other half of the, of the yin yang was the law, right? And which protects this way of life. And it's this beautiful, virtuous cycle of like, knowing these things enables us to, us to live freely to educate our children in the way that we see fit to and to do it without having outside inharmonious interference into it right and it's so like i i would want to encourage everyone who's listening to start to learn about these things because this knowledge and it's it's application we can't avoid it past a certain point you got to learn these things at a certain point if you really want to manifest like things and doing it privately the way that you want to do that's my perspective on it yeah and i agree and there's um a bumping into old programming again just like with the making mistakes this like primal stressful fear that i have found myself bumping into trying something new charting a new course and being kind of a, a trailblazer a pioneer of the new paradigm where when nobody else you don't have a lot of role models of other people doing this it's a scary sensation and to recognize that Legitimately. the reason why you're scared is because you're programmed to feel that when you bump into the edges of your comfort zone and chart a new course. It's because because we were programmed to be more conforming, you know, so just to see it for what it is. The same with the law stuff. I find myself bumping into like, oh, my God, it's legalese. I'm it just I, I can't get it. You know, it's too complicated. It's too whatever. And it's just like, oh, that's just my programming talking. So. Yep. So what if it takes me uh, two years, three years, 10 years of just gradually exposing myself to this information, go at a pace that is just right for me, not too overwhelming. And if I feel overwhelmed, back up and just slow down. My learning is fine. You know, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. it took me 20 years of deep immersion in holistic medicine to feel really confident and comfortable. Like, you know, it just... Um, very seemingly miraculous healing results happens every single day as mm. a natural side effect of just this deep inner confidence from having been immersed in a topic for over 20 years. So I didn't get mm. to this level overnight, you know, in holistic medicine mm. and in Chinese medicine. So maybe I just keep chipping away at this law stuff gradually for the next 10 years until I start to get comfortable, you know, just, just begin one little step at a time.
Right, right. And I'm reminded of something that I wanted to say earlier in the conversation. Edith, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you got something and I want to give you some space to decompress after this as much as I would love to speak with you for the rest of the day. Um, there is one thing that I really appreciate that is present in the model of like luminous education and your perspective. And, and there seems to be like how I view education, if you look at it in the, in, in the past, like in, in our history as humans, education was really like a mentorship based thing. A lot of the time, apprenticeship with masters and people who were very competent at the thing that we wanted to learn. And like even Anastasia and the Ringing Cedars talks about that the wise men who used to spend all of their time studying certain subjects, learning how to interact with animals or about herbal healing or learning about the stars and the cosmos and the, and the relationship between man and the stars and coming to the settlements, the kin's domain settlements and sharing this knowledge with the kids who just wanted to learn. And the kids would find their reasons for wanting to learn these things. And they would just listen with, you know, bated breath to the wise men as they would share all these things. And it's like, we're doing that in our modern life now too. Like you were talking about um, the woman who has the retired finance teacher coming and teaching math and all these different people who are experts on their subject who are sharing this with the kids. And it's like, um, that's something that we have kind of really pulled away from in our society. Like we have, um, like it, it's much better when you have a teacher who's actually competent and living the thing that they're trying to teach because there's so much more real life experience that can be given to the children. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're returning to our natural state. The beauty of all of this is that a lot of it is that the old system was very inefficient and ineffective and strange and in some ways absurd and just some not a wise use of energy. The new paradigm, it, it unleashes our natural state of genius and intelligence and joy and beauty and harmony with nature. And there's like a, this exponential awesomeness that will show itself when we work in harmony with nature when, when we're riding the natural waves of the child's curiosities and honoring the natural rhythms of their biology and so on that we realize that some of it is like it's not that that amazing it's just that the old system was so horribly inefficient and ineffective. Yeah. <laughs> you know it makes us look good when we step into the new paradigm like wow kids can learn 10 years of math in one year i can't believe it well it just goes to show how ineffective the old system was probably you know yeah right right and um edith i i could stay and talk with you forever i want to um, but I know that we're going to have to wrap this up at some point. So I wanted to ask you if you can leave us with, if there's any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with, if there's anything that has come up that you feel like you want to share, this has been super eye-opening for me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure our listeners have as well. I'm going to be listening to this again. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited, but if there's anything that you'd like to share just in closing for everyone. I think um, in closing, if I could leave us with one 
um, one thing to hold in our hearts is to remember that we came here for this. You know, we we chose this epic adventure that we're on in this somewhat messy transitional time to hold and anchor the vision of the much more beautiful world and much more beautiful way of being human and to be kind and gentle with ourselves because it's it's a lot that we're all going through. We're we are shedding lifetimes of patterns and programming and stepping more fully into ourselves. You know, this new paradigm at the end of the day, the hard work is shedding the old. What's left after we let go of all the old distortions and old patterns is each of us being authentically, fully ourselves. And when that happens, it just feels good. It just feels natural, permitting each of us to be our full expression of our weird and quirky selves and permitting each other to come together in community to co-create and collaborate and create those, those magical, beautiful, higher win-win possibilities that our world is so hungry for right now. I think we can all feel mm. that it's like this new earth is so badly wishing to express itself through us. So I just want to honor everyone that's listening for all the the years and decades of personal growth and spiritual growth and dropping of old programming and old patterns and stepping more fully into your authentic self. Thank you for doing that work. And now let's play. Let's co-create this beautiful possibility together because we're ready for it and the world is ready for it. And we've really stepped through the portal into this new world now. So I'm so honored to be able to share and support each other and to be in community community with all of you guys thank you just thank you so much for being who you are wow yeah thank you edith for uh for being here with me today this has been an incredible conversation um and where can people find you where's the best way for people to connect with you well, um, my personal website is dredithubuntu.com, which has all kinds of offerings associated with human consciousness and human potential. And I do coaching work with families and with, um, with visionary new earth pioneers who want the support as they level up to the next level. I offer different classes in wellness, in consciousness training, and so on. Luminous Education is my big project that I'm going to devote my upcoming years of my life to this very important topic of birthing the new paradigms of education, family life, and community life. And I'm so um, blessed to be able to collaborate with Gabriel on this. So I think Gabriel will put a link down below, um, gabriel.luminousrevolution.com or just luminousrevolution.com slash Gabriel. Um, if you choose to step into our world and explore these topics more deeply, um, Luminous Education Program is offered with a heart-based tuition where there's three tiers. So it, um, the desire to meet everybody where they're at because in these transitional times, I know a lot of us have made some very courageous choices with our livelihoods, with our employment, and I want to support that. And that's why there's a big range of possibilities in terms of the tuition of where you want to um, enter into our world with flexible tuition. And by using this link, um, a portion of your registration also goes towards supporting 
Anastasia Foundation. So I hope that that feels like a good win-win for everybody. So thank you for being part of our community yeah. and supporting my work and supporting Gabriel's work. And we're also all here to support your work, of course. Right, right. And I'm I'm so happy to, to know you, Edith, and to have had the great pleasure and joy of meeting you again in this lifetime and being connected to do this work because I truly believe in you and what you're doing and your vision and everything that you've brought to the world as far as everything you've done, but especially the the luminous education stuff, because um, I think you're just carrying so much of what I think the world needs. And I'm really glad to to be to be a part of it and to also have the opportunity to promote what you're doing and share it with people because so much of what you're saying here is this is Anastasia's vision. You're you're totally describing Anastasia's vision to a T and you're bringing people practical steps and solutions and thoughts and suggestions on how to actualize this more in their lives in, in the realest way that I've ever seen and also in such like a heart-based, spirit-based way. And I'm really glad to, to be able to help share this in the world. So yeah, go to the websites that Dr. Edith mentioned. Links will be in the description here and you can get the program and everything else that Dr. Edith does. So Edith, um, geez, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing all this information. You are just an amazing speaker. I'm so glad to have you. Can't wait to have you again. I look forward to it. Um, and for everything else that's going to develop between us. Um, so with that, just thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much.